And hey there, hi there, ho there, and a gracious good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast, where we bring you the joy and excitement of you about women's athletics. Certainly a lot of exciting things happened over the past week. We'll catch you up on all those things, and I am so pleased to announce we have a full house on board this morning for the podcast, as we got the... I can try to remember back the last time we had a full house is maybe a month or so. It's been a while. So it's not last week. Two weeks ago. Two not weeks last ago. Week. Yeah, not last week. I'm trying to remember two weeks ago. Oh, I, I was in briefly and then was over at the Yum, I think, wasn't I? Oh, right. And then it was kind of in and out. So I <laughs> guess technically I was there. But in any event. We've got everybody here for the full duration today, knock on wood, as far as I know. So let's uh, get right on into the kind of introduction to the stuff. I'm your co-host, Polly. I spent a week uh, battling a stomach bug, going to a basketball game, and cleaning up an elementary school. Yeah, that was my life last week. We've got Jared Anderson in there with us, and Jared's not banking today, which means that he's not throwing snowballs at people who want to come in the store and, or the bank instead of hitting the ITM. And who's shoveling the lock today, Jared, now that you're not there and there's snow on the ground? No idea. I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> there you go. Are you going to still keep your debit card? You know, just like if you need to. Well, oh, yeah, I'll still uh still keep my accounts and everything of and for those who uh uh haven't heard i have accepted a new position and i'll be moving to kentucky farm bureau so those uh, saturdays at the bank are now a thing of the past if you can do one thing with kentucky farm bureau see if you can change that tv commercial they've got where they go big old commitment that's the only thing i want you to do when you're there hey i'm more than happy for them to put me on their marketing team if they're if they want to. There you go. The market may never be the same once Jared Anderson. Got Daryl on board with us today. Daryl got a crash course in formatting Friday. Yes, you did. <laughs> Darryl, I'll be adding that to my resume, Paul. Absolutely. Was explained the formatting. Still don't get it. Open for options. <laughs> uh, had a very good Friday write-up and uh, was looking through it when I was looking through it for, you know, just minor corrections and adding pictures and stuff like that. I said, okay, it looks great. Let's go ahead and publish it. I'll publish it and boom, all of a sudden there's all these white spaces in the article. So uh, <laughs> I immediately threw my hands up in the air and said, okay, it's time to call the IT guys. <laughs> got to try to get Jeff and Case involved in it. I think Case eventually came in and straightened it out. Yeah, he beat you to it. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, Case Totally confused me on our group chat the other day where he told me that he had found out about the first softball shoe of the season. And I was thinking, oh, great, I get to see an example of what the Louisville Cardinal softball team is going to wear this spring. But it turns out to be it's a different type of shoe case. Please explain, sir. Well, I'm so used to posting tweets in my discord with my friends or in iMessages and the tweet preview comes up so you can see it and I, I, I've fallen into that habit in our group chat and I post a tweet without any context and 
forget that it doesn't provide a preview for people so you guys just don't know what you're doing click on it and then it's not at all what you expected so i meant it was the first softball shooter drop with miranda ellish uh opting out of this season softball player of the year last year and uh, likely candidate for it this year from texas will not be playing so no softball cleats announced yet that i'm aware of uh but that was the first shooter drop in in spring sports uh seeing the same thing that all the other sports have been seeing so far and here i thought you'd become a fastinista and we're going to show me you know different types of shoes i could wear to softball this year oh well enough on that jeff mcadams in house jeff was usually the first one on board for our saturday morning podcast as he gets everything set up and everything and uh, not a very eventful week for jeff it turns out right sir no it's been you know doing work and typical stuff and you know nothing out of the ordinary this week it's just just been a week yeah can't complain but nothing super exciting either you know but you know after 2020 i'll take it <laughs> there you go life goes on it sure does the with our introductions out of the way, we go to the next segment of our show here where we traditionally go through our scheduling and Twitter information. It's kept Kinks hopping, trying to keep up with all the things that have been going on scheduling-wise, but he always comes through. So, Case, the floor is yours. Tell us what's happening, buddy. Yeah, so the schedule looks pretty full. Uh, a little bit uh, deceptive, though, because they sometimes leave canceled or postponed events in their original slot. That's the case with women's tennis, who was supposed to open their season this week with the Invitational at Notre Dame uh, from Friday through tomorrow. That was canceled, but like I said, it's still on the calendar. Uh, one thing that has been going on all this weekend, um, or since yesterday anyway, is the McGravy Green Invitational uh, in Lexington at the Nutter Fieldhouse, hosted by Kentucky for track and it only says track, but it's track and field because we have some results from field events yesterday. Um, like I said, that started yesterday. For some reason, it's listed on the schedule twice today. Um, just going to be going on the one time. Uh, men's basketball is at Miami tonight at 8 p.m., a game that I just found out about when I was scrolling on Twitter this morning because that's how things are with basketball schedules that I can hardly keep up with on regular seasons, much less one where the games change seemingly every three days. Men's golf is taking on um, probably a, a host of teams at the Seminole Invitational uh, in Watersound, Florida, hosted by uh, Florida State, most likely. Speaking of Florida State, women's basketball taking them on at 3 p.m. tomorrow in the Yum Center. That one's on ESPN2 because it was originally supposed to be the NC State game. I can't imagine that ESPN would have given... Uh, women's basketball versus Florida State the time of day given the situations that things are in they'd probably rather air something else at 3 p.m. on a Sunday but you know they had the time slot and Louisville filled it with a game so they're gonna play it um, that one like I said is on ESPN 2 or 790 if you're a radio person um, the men's golf event continues on Monday and Tuesday and men's basketball hosts Florida State on Monday as well at 7 p.m. on ESPN. So it is Cardinals versus Seminoles weekend, apparently. Uh, Wednesday is an off day, and then women's basketball will hopefully get their chance at their 13th game and tournament eligibility coming up on Thursday. 
uh, when they host Syracuse for a nightcap at 9 p.m. That one's also on ESPN2 uh, in the M Center. And then track scheduled to head to Blacksburg for the Hokie Invitational starting on Friday and going through the weekend. So that's that. That's the the calendar. I guess technically men's tennis is taking on Bellarmine at home at 11 a.m. on Saturday. But, you know, we'll be on the air at that time. So maybe we'll mention it again. I'm the schedule keeper, so it'll be up to me to do what I want. (laughs) From a Twitter perspective, I tweet as at best case scenario that's bst case scenario um was following along with the nwsl draft on wednesday I think those are my most recent tweets um didn't win the lottery today so that's unfortunate but it is what it is we'll have to go into work on monday anyway uh, jared tweets is at mr anderson jared where you can follow along with all of his photos that we love to rant and rave about because he takes great photos and gets opportunities that not a lot of other people get. Polly tweets us at Cardinal Couple. Jeff is at Card Couple Radio and at Jeff McAdams. And Daryl tweets us at Daryl Faust 4. And as always, follow along with the Twitter list on the right side of the site to keep up with all of the UofL Women's Athletics pages. And there it is. Another fine job by Case there and had it done before 11.10. So with the schedule picking up, you got it all down in good time, sir. And also, yeah, just to think about Jared's pictures, it does a fantastic job on those, Jared. I just want to kind of thank you for those. Uh, they're great additions to the articles, and uh, I'm sure that the visiting schools that need those appreciate the work that you do. And last but not least, UofL, of course, uh, probably very thankful that you're in there doing it oh yeah I'm grateful for the opportunity and uh every game that i get to go take pictures at this year is just a blessing with what's going on indeed it is uh and also just a uh, kind, of, kind of reminder that if you want to keep up on the daily activities of you women's sports certainly go to our website cardinalcouple.com that will fill you in as we have uh, five writers on there and we kind of alternate around where you get a different viewpoint and different take almost every day of the week. So certainly we invite you all to uh, jump on in, make a comment, kind of read what's going on. If you disagree with us, that's okay. Fine. We're not, we don't claim to be perfect. We're just at 95.5%. So (laughs) sometimes we even listen to criticism and don't write about soccer two Saturdays or in a row uh, during basketball season. Sometimes. You never know what you're going to get when you comment. Every once in a while, we'll get the kind of person that can comment in there, that's for sure. And just a, you know, But that's all part of it. We, we don't ban, we don't censor people, we don't do stuff like that. If I don't like what they put in there, I'll just go ahead and delete it, and, but they're free to come back again. Haven't had to do much of that lately, and fortunately, the bots have been pretty much non-existent on the comment section, so. Good, good. like all that. But let's jump on into it. Got a lot of sports to cover today, a lot of things to talk about. Let's go ahead and start it out with women's basketball. They had two games uh, in this past week. They got it started on the 10th against Clemson. Coming into the KFCM Center, a Clemson team that was 8-4. and four. Coming in to try and see if they could take on the 10-0 and o cards and beat them. Didn't quite happen for them. They kept it close in the first half, but Louisville kind of 
pulled away in the final two quarters to get this win, take this game, and improve to, of course, still undefeated and number one in the conference. I won our predictions. I was going to ask. I don't even remember what I said. What did I say? You guys were pretty high up there on the echelon as far as what your picks were. <laughs> all of you all were in the 80s, and the final score was 70 to 45 Cardinals, of course. We'll get in that win. But, uh, yeah, you guys were all in the 80s and 50s and stuff like that. I, think wow. I, was the only one. I had a plus-minus margin, I think, of 13, which isn't too bad. So. I can't believe Clemson only scored five points in the fourth quarter. Uh, hey, don't complain about it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, uh, an embarrassing thing for them. Is yeah, they uh, went one for twenty in that quarter. It was kind oh, of ouch. on them. And uh, you got to feel for players like Kendall Spray, who uh, you know she's uh, she's out there trying. She was zero for seven from three point range. Uh, played a long time, twenty seven minutes, ended up with two points, and used to be. One of the primary factors for this, but a good win for the cards, a win that uh, I think uh, most people expected, or maybe some didn't even expect it to be a 25-point win. They expected it to be much larger, but Clemson kept it close in the first half and actually won the second quarter, Jeff, something that uh, was kind of painful to sit through and, and uh, watch, but uh, at least they got the game in because you know what? This thing was originally scheduled to take place early at noon and didn't go until two, sir. Yeah, it was it was delayed a couple of hours and even even at the two o'clock tip time, not all of U of L's players were out on the court yet. Uh, some of them trickled out over the over the first quarter. Um, there was a a COVID scare. Uh, the report was that we had a player who woke up not feeling well that day. So they did an extra round of testing to be careful and be sure. Um, and, you know, certainly respect that and understand that um, it had, you know, all of us fans on the edges of our seat on whether we were going to get to play the game or not at all. Uh, Jared was actually got down there a little bit before I was scheduled to get down there. I got his uh, kind of tweet to me that they, they've moved the game back. And I woke up feeling kind of rough, to be quite honest with you, on Sunday. And as the day progressed, I started feeling worse. And so decided not to attend. But Jared was keeping me in touch of what was going on down there. So, so Jared, break it down to us. Jeff Wallace was kind of perturbed on the ACC protocols on this, right? Yeah, thanks uh, to modern-day technology and social media, able to reach out to a majority of the fans that were planning on head down to the game to reach them at a, a a reasonable time. I know that the announcement came about 15 minutes before doors and gates were opening up, so that may have been a little tougher if people got there early. Uh, but as soon as the announcement was made, I think we were all kind of in that same boat of assumptions, thinking, well, this is probably going to be COVID-related if they're going to call it safety measures, I think is what it was, team safety. And then by getting down there, just seeing a few of the players warming up on the court, uh, which the players will kind of come and go early on warming up anyway, so that's not always a big issue. But then when you get close to the the team intros and the anthem, and you're only seeing seven players out on the court at that point, you can sense a 
the, the panic coming from fans throughout the court. And we didn't really have a lot of bigs out there either. So then you're looking at the concern of what if our, I think Liz Dixon may have been the only big that was available for a tip-off. And you're thinking, what if she gets in, in foul trouble early on? We're, we're in big trouble or just foul trouble in general when you're uh, starting seven players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as the, the quarter progressed, you'd start seeing a, a player roll out of the tunnel every two, three minutes. And I'm sure that's as they were getting negative test results and they went to the back gym to, to loosen up a little bit, get some shots off. And you could start to just feel in the arena that everybody was getting more relaxed and they would start cheering as players were coming out. Uh, and it was almost to the point that you would miss a player coming out of the tunnel just because it was happening so often. And then you'd see them checking the game. You're like, oh, well, there they are. So by the end of the game, or by halftime, really, everybody but Alana Smith was out there. And based off of seeing her out on the court Thursday night, it's safe to assume that she ended up not having COVID-19, which we're, we're thankful for. Absolutely. Who was it? It was Olivia, and who else came out? I forgot. Ballard, Ooh, early on. Was it? Yeah, okay. it may have been E and O that came out. Our our vows were coming out of the tunnel there. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that just crazy, the way that like we're making this season work? Just the fact that you have players running out three minutes into the game starting because they were waiting on a, a positive or a negative test. I mean, if Jeff didn't have enough things on his plate, I think he does now. Right, let, let's just add to the, the stress and the pressure. And then yeah. on Clemson's side, you're thinking, oh, we only got got to go up against seven players today. Well, let's just see if we can't get them in foul trouble and push them early on. So as right. a Clemson player, you start seeing other players coming out of the tunnel and I'm sure there's some frustration and maybe some bad words <laughs> uttered under your breath that you're like, man, now we got them coming out too. Come on. So it probably not the, the greatest sight for Clemson to see players continuously coming out of the tunnel. I, I realize that, you know, it's just the, the way of the game this year, but part of me feels like that shouldn't probably break in a little bit of rules, but I know it's yeah, not this year. <laughs> for sure. That, that could be a little weird and, just deceptive, I guess, is a good way to put it. But you'd have to go and dive deep into the rule book to see what's permitted and what's not, not I guess. A contest where the cards had to obviously alter the starting lineup a little bit as Elizabeth Dixon got the start and also Makasa Robinson. Makasa getting the start as Olivia and, and E were kind of waiting clearance where they were hanging out over in the second gym at the KFCM Center. People may be not familiar with that, but there is a practice gym, which is off the hallways back there where teams can kind of stay warm and kind of wait things out. They eventually did get the chance to come out, though. But, uh, you know, Case, one of the things that impressed me about this is no matter who we have out there, we still get some good play, even with – Dana Evans sitting at the entire second quarter due to foul troubles. Yeah, it's something that we've talked about a lot uh, throughout this entire season is the the depth that Louisville has at the guard position. Uh, 23 minutes, I believe, is the fewest uh, that Dana has played this whole season so far. Um, but we did see some people step up and get more minutes than usual. Mikasa Robinson uh, got the start with... E being in the locker room, as we mentioned at the beginning of the game, she ended up with 24 minutes, which is well over her average. And then Narika Kono picking up 17. She's averaging around 
11 minutes a game. So so she helped to pick up that slack as well. Then Van Lith uh, putting in 35, Kiana Smith putting in 35. Both of those players um, not used to getting quite that many minutes, uh, but everyone there to pick up the slack, like we mentioned with that really excellent guard depth that Lowell has, and they put it on display against Clemson, um, never yielding the lead in this one, uh, despite just a two-point lead at the end of the first quarter. So a great job by uh, everyone filling in that role when it seems to both us as Louisville fans and then the national media that this team revolves around Dana Evans. So to see Louisville really succeed without her on the floor is very encouraging going forward. One of the interesting sidelines of this game, sidelines if you were, was the strange case of Delisha Washington, who got rather perturbed about some on-court jostling and proceeded to having to be separated from the Cardinals center, Elizabeth Dixon, sent to the sidelines, pulled from the game, getting into a shouting match with her coach and one of her assistant coaches. Uh, Jared, you were down there. That was uh, not she, good. Was it was a value, I thought that it was Elizabeth Dixon. So, not all that in it. important, but yeah, I thought it was Belligan. I don't remember uh, any of that. They weren't showing that on TV. You were down on course, uh, Jared. You saw it. What was going on down there? Yeah, uh, sometimes you, you get a, a good angle from where you're at, and sometimes you're blocked by everybody on the court. I saw it after the technical was issued. I kind of started to get a really clear shot, and I think uh, Polly posted that one picture of the official trying to separate some of the players, and, and you could just see the the anger in her eyes there. Uh, and I'm not sure what initially started that and what kind of like led up to the technical there, but things definitely got heated more after that to the point that, as you mentioned, their head coach needed to, to pull her off the court and put her in the back row and, and have a little talk and say, look, this is not how we're going to be playing our, our season. This is not Clemson basketball. This is not how we're going to represent ourselves. Uh, you're going to calm down. And when we feel that you're ready to go back out there, we're going to put you back out there. And I think that was a a good move, good decision by their coach. And sometimes players just need a moment to cool down. A lot of stuff happens on the court. And there's fouls that don't get called, and there's fouls that do get called. And there's words that are sometimes said. And and it, it But it's basketball. You can't let your feelings get hurt. I mean, you're going to get bumped around, and someone's going to say something. You just got to rub it off and, and keep playing. Don't Don't let it affect you. Because once you can get into someone's head, then it's over for you. Yeah. That, that being said, I think the uh, I think the technical foul call on it was pretty pretty crappy. Um, I you know. I'm, so what actually led up to the technical? That's the part I couldn't see from my angle. Yeah, Maybe so the cameras picked it up better. The TV they were cameras. walking past each other, and you know how players will sometimes bump into each other when they're walking past, and that's that's what happened. Uh, Washington kind of threw her arm out um, after that happened didn't really make contact with anything, but just kind of, you know, push away sort of thing. Um, you know, unless there was language there that, you know, you don't get on the TV. Um, I, I, I can't see how that should have been a technical foul. Yes. If you're an official, you walk over to her and you, you, you speak some words to her, say, Hey, chill out. Right. 
But that was the first indication of any sort of real chippiness between these teams at all. Uh, it was an isolated incident. You, you know, you walk over and say, hey, chill out, you know, and and, and you let the foul go for at least the first one like that. It was not an egregious action, I don't think. So was it like the exact same situation as the technical foul in the Boston College game? Because that one was even weaker, I feel like. Yeah, that one kind of came out of the blue there. That one definitely came out of the blue. Uh, that wasn't actually a technical foul, though. That was just a flagrant foul, I think. It was initially called on court as a technical. They went over to the review booth and, and spent a, a good portion that they were playing the Jeopardy theme song on loop for a while before they made the decision. I guess they... So is it... I guess they called it as, like, a flagrant or intentional or flagrant... Well, I forget how some of their, their language and verbiage goes now, but they they lowered it away from a technical foul there. And as it happened out, the cards ended up having 11 available for the game with Alana Smith not participating. All 11 played a Cardinal scene 17 minutes or more, led by Kiana Smith's 17 points. And once again, another strong rebounding performance from 5-8 Ailey Lift, who had nine rebounds. Certainly a great effort from her as well as she, uh, I guess, you know, a nine Rebound seven points. That's not a bad effort from the freshman at all. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of kicking around the table. What did the cards learn out of this game? I think one thing that they did maybe pick up all started at is you don't take anybody for granted because Clemson definitely gave Louisville all they wanted in the first half. This score being 34 to 26. Uh, what did you see out of it, Jared? Uh, like just a, a slow moving game and I, I can't tell if the players were just tired or they were off uh, there's a much heavier presence of defense so sometimes just getting that extra hand in someone's face could, could make a difference but I thought the, the teams just came out slow and, and sluggish for a little bit before things started to get, get rolling and didn't really pick up I got out of nowhere. The offenses got hot, and nobody played defense by the end of the game. I mean, the fact that we were giving up that much to, to Boston College was a little rough. Yeah, the cards got rebanded, out-rebanded case 43-41 to 41 from Clemson. They really was not a dominant center in there. Uh, you take a look at the stat lines, and Gabby Elliott had eight rebounds for him. She was the leader for them. But uh, – once again, the cards having just a little bit of trouble on the boards, except for Haley, huh? Yeah, Louisville um, only gave up 11 second-chance points, but they only got nine of their own. So so both teams, despite pulling down 21, well, t- to Louisville's credit, they allowed 21 offensive rebounds, which is terrible, but only gave up 11 second-chance points. Uh, they only got 10 of their own and got nine points off of it. So they won on the second-chance points efficiency battle, but it's only because... Clemson couldn't make any sort of shot to save their life. Um, they went 0 of 19 from 3. A lot of those were pretty open. Uh, Louisville was not playing the greatest three-point defense. Um, so they just got lucky that Clemson has been unable to buy a basket from beyond the arc for the last three games. Uh, Kendall Spray on a three-game uh, over streak, which is not what Clemson needs. But outside of that, they went 19 of 51 from 2. So... They were terrible there, too. Um, 
Clemson just couldn't buy a shot. Uh, and Louisville, Louisville did have nine blocks. So you can credit that for a lot of those misses. But on the other side, you know, Louisville's really got to not allow so many shots. 70 field goal attempts is a lot of field goal attempts to allow. And Louisville just was lucky that Clemson didn't score more points, to be honest. Lucky indeed, but as they say, a W is a W. The cards got the W and then moved on to Thursday night when Boston College came to 10. A Boston College team that uh, was 5-5 five and 1-5 five and and in the ACC coming in here to the KFC Yum Center. Uh, a player who we all kind of recognize as maybe being the top of their program, Taylor Soule. Didn't do much against us. Only nine points, only three rebounds in 28 minutes, Jeff. Uh, she wasn't the factor that we all thought she would be, was she? No, uh, it, it, this was a, a weird game. Uh, it, it just in general, uh, some of the players that, that we thought would step up and have big impacts on both sides of the, of the, of the court um, didn't. And you had some other players step up and, to, you know, as you mentioned, Taylor Sell, you you previewed this much better than I did, uh, and, and researched it. But uh, yeah, Taylor, not a not a big factor uh, in in the game. So it's yeah, nine points total, uh, three from the field, or pardon me, six from the field, three from the free throw line. I would have expected her to do better. Foul trouble being. Once again, a problem for uh, Daryl. You hit the, the write-up on this with Cards had five in double figures. The five starters, that's always great to see, isn't it? Right. Gosh, really packing the stat sheet in that one. Um, but I wanted to first point out, I wanted to say for what I learned from the Clemson game was that the Cards can still win despite Dana Evans not being on the floor as much as she usually is or having that big of an impact he said uh you know she had foul trouble but also she turned it over four times which was the most on the team so i learned that the cards can win without her but it's a lot more fun when she takes over a game and she definitely did for a few minutes there on thursday night i put it in the um the write-up for friday that there was one point where she had seven points a steal and an assist um in one minute span and, you know, when she takes over a game like that, it's a lot of fun to watch because she gets in her zone. And, you know, she didn't even have the most minutes on the floor. It's crazy because, you know, Kiana Smith and Haley Van Lith are, you know, usually uh, logging the most minutes for the cards. And Haley was out for there for a little bit. And um, but cards were able to uh, find offense in other ways. Um, that second or that third quarter was insane. The second and third quarter are so different from each other because the defense was there in the second uh, quarter where the cards or both teams were only able to log. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm still looking at Clemson. Oops. Uh, 16 for the cards and then 12 for Boston College. But then in the third quarter, it was 26 for the cards, 28 for Boston College. So defense there in the second um, quarter, offense not. And then third quarter, offense on fire, defense not. So Coach Wells was a little upset with the uh, defense there and the offense. Actually, I think he said, you know, despite scoring 89 points, he still thinks it was a bad offensive performance for the cards, which just shows how 
talented he thinks they are. I think Boston College would have gladly accepted 89 points on their side. But Case, let's take a look at another kind of sidebar of this game where we saw two starters get injuries. Haley Vanleth with the dislocated finger and Keanu Smith with the sprained ankle. Uh, it's kind of tough when you see two starters have to go out, one didn't return. Yeah, Smith's was really concerning uh, watching that on the replay or during the game when she went down. Uh, looked like she was in a whole lot of pain. It was really good to see her be able to get up and walk off, walk in air quotes, I suppose, but hobble off the floor, being able to put some weight on it under her own power. Um, it was it was a really concerning injury. Hope that she's able to get going again. Uh, I don't think we have any update on her status for tomorrow's game, uh, but if she's missing a little is is going to be hurting. She's really stood out a lot since becoming a starter uh, in that DePaul game. But Haley Van Lith, you know, an absolute warrior. I think Daryl mentioned in the in the group chat uh, the injury to her right hand. She is left-handed shooter, so she had that going for her. Um, but still, when you're trying to catch the ball, you're trying to dribble, you're trying to shoot, uh, it's not like your offhand is worthless. So credit to her for, for coming back out and and being able to continue to do what she did. And she still pulled down five rebounds in the game. I have to assume some of those came after that dislocated finger. Uh, and then put up four assists um, and a four-to-one assisted turnover ratio. I think – I haven't looked at this, but I think that's one of her best of the year. Um, so a really controlled game for her uh, despite the injury. You mentioned Louisville had two players, two starters go out to injury. Uh Boston College had just some pretty bad luck with their starters. Uh, they had 17 team fouls, and 12 of them were between just three people, uh, two starters, both with four fouls, and a third starter with three fouls. Um, so when you've got 17 team fouls and four players make up 15 of those 17, that's just kind of bad luck <laughs> um, to, to a certain extent. Sometimes you, you kind of hope that a foul that's maybe on two players gets called on the one that has zero fouls, not the one that has, you know, closer to to fouling out and really being in foul trouble so both teams had to play without their starters for a little bit um to some capacity and like daryl mentioned that third quarter just it, it really tightened things up a lot more um louisville led by 14 going into that third quarter uh, but boston college had a whole lot of momentum and i think if they had been able to have more players on the floor this could have gotten really interesting going into the fourth Ultimately, Louisville was able to pull away. I think Boston College got it down to like nine, maybe eight-point game at one point before Louisville spread it back out. So, uh, I think it was eight before uh, Dana went on her run. So a, a good, yeah, a good job by Louisville to to show some resiliency and and put the team away when it seemed like they weren't going to go away. Uh, Jeff, did we see the future Kylie Shook on the BC squad? The reason I say is that they've got a freshman in the name of Allie Van Timmeren who only got on campus during the Christmas break. Is that mere 18 years old, put in 29 minutes, 7 for 13 from the floor, 3 for 6 from three-point range as the 6-3 freshman ended up with 17 points to co-lead the Eagles. A very impressive performance for her, sir. Yeah, it's always interesting when you get a big like that and it's got the height and length that then can also – you know, right out to the three-point line and bury some threes on you. Um, it, it makes it a challenging scout, for sure. Um, you know, we saw when Kylie Shook was here that she had 
occasionally some struggles making her presence known inside the paint, given her size, uh, relative to her size anyway. Uh, I don't know how well Ali Van Timmeren is going to be able to, to to manage that as well, but certainly that that ability to to step out, to be able to be a threat at three pulls you know, your defense out, which opens up that floor for so many of the things going on. So uh, it's it's a potentially very powerful aspect to uh, the Boston College game for the next few years. Paul, that's hilarious that you said Kylie Shook, because I'm i pretty sure I said it out loud, too. Kyle, I called her a Kylie Shook wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was very impressed with the way she played. And, and, and certainly, you know, the only thing that she really didn't do anything Onwards blocks, but she 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 made plenty of turnovers like Kylie used to do back before she became a senior. Was hitting the ball out there. A, a couple things and numbers here, Daryl, that stood out to me in this game, and you can kind of <laughs> elaborate on these a little bit. Louisville was 11 for 13 from the free throw line. You've got to love that number right there. And the card shot 56.7 percent for the game. They were actually over 60 percent in the second half. So two win-wins there as far as I'm concerned, eh? Yeah, that's great. Um, You'd like to see a few more attempts, but, you know, if you only missed two on the night, uh, Olivia Cochran had those, but she did have the most attempts for the team. And, you know, she's just, she is, gets better every game. I know I said, I tweeted it the other night, like I'm a Haley Van Lith enthusiast, but Olivia is so close um, to to being my favorite player right now because, or new player anyways, Dana will always have my heart. But um, you could see this chemistry between Haley and Olivia already. And I mean, what are we, 12 games in? It's just, it's so much fun to watch. And, you know, if they were, since they were able to keep Boston College off the free throw line, because I think they showed a stat uh, prior to the game that, you know, if Boston College does win, it'll be from the free throw line. Uh, when they attempt 20-some-odd or something like that, they, they usually do win, and they only had 10 on the night. So it was a great showing um, as far as fouling other the other team as well as getting to the free-throw line and making their own shots. But you'd still like to see a few more out of there, at, for, out of the cards to for the future anyways. Surprising stat to me here, Case, was bench points thanks to Van Timmerman. The Boston College took the bench points battle 25 to 10, something we don't see very often. But And secondly, I'm going to let you do this a little bit. Let's not get out of this game without giving Dana her due, Dana her credit, an incredible 24-point performance, three threes in 34 minutes. Uh, the Dana that partially disappeared because of foul trouble against Clemson was back with a new eyelash meanness, right? Yeah, she did have a really good game. Only three assists, which is, is pretty down for her. Uh, but Louisville as a team was down. Only 16 assists on 34 made baskets. Uh, for people that follow along with the case report, they would have gotten no letter in the assist category, um, turned the ball over too many times, and, and just didn't just didn't assist on very many shots. Um, to their credit, one of the stats that I just noticed that jumped out at me Louisville pulled down seven offensive rebounds. They scored 14 second-chance points. So some of those could have been threes, but they statistically scored on every offensive rebound, which is insane. (laughs) Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a stat like that happen. Um, 
especially in a game where you know they didn't shoot 70 from the floor. Yeah, Boston College had 11 offensive rebounds, but uh, their second chance points were only 12. So yeah, but look at the college stats, man. Back to Dana, she led the team with two steals, uh, a pretty small steal night for the Cards. They were outstolen by uh, Boston College nine to six, uh, but Dana Dana led the team with two, um, just one turnover, uh, three assists, like I mentioned, and, and two rebounds. That's not her forte. She's not uh, grabbing the boards very often. Um, as far as guards that do that, it's usually left to to E and uh, Haley Van Lith. But three of three from the free throw line, which is everything you want when she's going to get to the free throw line. You'd like to see her there more often, but you'll take what you can get. Three of five from beyond the arc. Obviously, when she's hitting, um, that's what you need. Uh, she kind of drives the whole team. If, if he she's having a bad night from beyond the arc, it seems like nobody else can get going either. Just kind of that contagious energy. But uh, a great game from Dana bouncing back from, from the foul trouble that kept her on the bench uh, against Clemson, picking up just one in this game. So... She is, as we all know, going to be the leader, continues to be the leader, will be the driving catalyst that uh, pushes Louisville towards playing in the last two games in San Antonio, hopefully. 89-70, the win for the Cards over Boston College. Post-game, Jeff Walls, always exciting, never boring. As Coach lamented the fact that they only scored 89 points, he did not think it was a good offensive effort. Coach also said yes. some language that Mama Walls wouldn't have approved of during his post-game interview. And we also found out that his favorite drink was vodka and tonic with a twist of lime. So, Coach, sharing maybe more than we need to know about some things. Including so, the Go ahead, so was he upset about only scoring 89? Or was he upset about how they played to get that 89? Because those are kind of two different... Thoughts, I think he was you know? upset that Boston College scored 70. Yeah. Once again, I, I yeah, could that, see that, that, that could be part of it, too, yeah, because yeah. Boston College wasn't averaging 70 points a game coming into this, a little lower than it, actually. But uh, Coach Walls, never born, always entertaining. Yeah, that, well, that's true, for sure. There's <laughs> no questioning that part. Yeah, and... Uh, that brings us with the cards now at 11-0, 4-0 in the ACC. Let's kind of we'll go over the ACC standings real quick, and then we'll start kind of previewing the Florida State game next year real quick. As uh, atop the conference, the cards at 4-0, NC State at 5-0 in conference games only. Both of those are still undefeated. Overall, Louisville 11-0, NC State 10-0. Florida State on our heels at 3-1. But they are only four and one for the season and have been off since what did we figure? New Year's Eve? The first thirty first, yeah, I think. Yeah. So uh the the question here being how will they bounce back after an extended delay look in terms of Louisville? Obviously you're not as sharp after you've been out all that time. Syracuse only has one loss, but once again they're only two and one in conference, five and one overall. They've been down with the COVID delays, and then it it, it mirrors the other teams in the, in the conference. Basically, Georgia Tech four and two, but they're only six and three. Okay, they've had some issues. The team that has the most games in the conference here would be the Clemson Tigers. Clemson's actually got twelve games in. They've played seven conference games, but only three and four. 
Uh, Jared, just taking a look at this list and some of the things that, that are on here, are there any major surprises to you now that we're roughly, I guess, halfway through the schedule? No, kind of looking down, I think maybe UNC isn't as great as we thought they would be this year. I mean, 7-4 and four overall still isn't bad, but 2-4 and four in conference play, uh, it's not a mark that you want to hit. Other than that, it, it looks pretty, pretty straightforward, not really a lot of big changes from what we saw in the, the past. Uh, you know, pretty common to see those top three with NC State, Louisville, Florida State all kind of battling up there for the, the top spot. And so instead of battling for first place tomorrow, now we're going to be in the, the battle for second place because obviously a, a loss to Florida State would give them the tiebreaker over us for the, the two. But I see a, a lot of potential NCAA tournament teams here. And I think a lot of them are just uh, needing a, a key win right now to get in. But they're still, knock on wood, plenty of season and plenty of games left to be played. So we'll see. And very true. And speaking yeah. of games to be played, Daryl, we got a Florida State Sunday. Uh, uh, no. Some bad past memories, maybe, of FSU <laughs> and FSU. Sue on the South Lines this year, they're taking care of an ill mother. So uh, they've got talent. They've got a good team. It's just that they don't have games in, Daryl. Yeah, and I'm looking at their schedule. It looks like they didn't even really get started till December, so they only played a month. Um, they did win over Virginia Tech, though, which is supposed to be one of the hotter teams in the conference right now. Uh, but, you know, them coming off a break and Louisville is – you know, they've kind of had Louisville's number in the last few years. I'm fully expecting the cards to come out and really give them a, a good showing. This might be that game where everything starts clicking. I think the turnovers might be a little less than they have been. We want to get those back down to single digits. And let's say um, let's say that the offense gets really, really up there, like in the 90s. So, yeah, you know, it's a bummer that the cards won't be playing NC State. Uh, I know a lot of people have had that game circled on their schedule. I know Cindy has been talking about trying to get out there for that one. You all know Cindy. Uh, but so Florida State it is. And uh, I think they'll get winded really easy. You know, we don't know. I remember the game against uh, NKU when the cards first came back. And we looked a little winded. And I think it was only like a 10-point victory. But it was close. And I know NKU is, you know, they're a decent team. So, that could be the reason that it was so close too, but I think that the just coming back from their pause really, you know, gave them a lot more or just made it a lot closer. And I think this one, however, cards are going to be able to score a lot and hopefully keep the Seminoles uh, at bay. Remember that game against uh, Notre Dame a couple years ago where it was like a hundred to 70 or 60 or something i feel like it has the the potential to be something like that yeah the uh, irish uh, got blown out by us a couple of years ago and it was fun it was so much fun to watch it was like yeah. every crazy shot was going in 100 to 67 i think was the score 100 to 67 yeah. that's yeah, the one that's right yeah i remember that <laughs> i was thinking about asia last night and how much i miss her she was so much fun. 
Yeah, certainly going to be a key for New York next year for sure. If she can come back and, and be 100%. Be healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the key thing. You've got to be healthy to play the game. But FSU, let's look at their last game just real quickly. They did beat Virginia Tech by 10 points. They did that at Virginia Tech, which is pretty impressive. Uh, FSU had four players in double figures, very balanced scoring there. One of the things I think that kind of played true to form is that Asia Schiffer and uh, Elizabeth Kitely had a big game against FSU, 21 and 16 points respectively there. Yet Virginia Tech only ended up with 63 points. So somebody must have been playing defense on the other three that were out there on the court, Daryl, huh? I'd say so. That seems like the formula to, you know, get the W. <laughs> You're going to let Kitley get hers and Shepard get hers and let everybody else kind of flounder out there. Uh, Jared, taking a look at this, are you kind of in agreement with everybody else here that the cards probably will roll over a, a little bit winded and perhaps out of kilter, out of shape Florida State team? Uh, I don't think it's going to be that easy, actually. We I knew it. In the I knew it was going to well, give him you know, She has to say that, right? <laughs> I it know. Isn't on the couch. No, it's good. Let's give him thankfully, uh, No, thankfully, Katie's at her place right now, so she's not hearing yeah. anything I'm saying. But we, we've She'll make you sleep on the couch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she just got a new recliner, so I won't complain on that one at all. <laughs> but how many times have we thought we should beat Florida State? And then here it comes, and we're coming down to the wire, and we're like, wait a second, shouldn't be, we be up and about ready to put some of the reserves in and take the starters out? And then, lo and behold, we, we end up losing. And it's happened the last two times we've hosted Florida State at home, we've lost. And then you look back in the ACC tournament last year, right before things, uh, everything got canceled, we lost to them there. That was the so, game that sent me home. Yep. So you're saying, so, Jared, you think that the Florida State could beat the Cards three times in a row? I'm saying it's possible. I'm I'm still gonna put my money on the cards by by winning by less than ten in this one. Uh, and we Whoa, still don't know the status. We're rolling into prediction time now. Jared already teasing us with a little bit on this year. But we we also uh, don't know yeah, the status of Kiana Smith. Don't forget about that part. Is is we don't know if she's gonna be good to go. And True. we did see Haley Van Lift come back out and play, but it. It's a little bit more difficult when you can only play with one hand as opposed to two, and all well, you need is just one deflection off. She didn't play with one hand. She was handling the ball with her right hand. She was doing all the stuff with the right hand she needed to do with no real ill effect. She did all right with that. So I'm, I'm not too worried about Haley Smith. I am worried about Kiana Smith, or Haley Ben Lith. I am worried about Kiana Smith, though. Uh, but Kiana's the, the concern, and I, I think yeah. Haley should be fine, but you never yeah. know if you, you bump into a player wrong and those fingers get bent or the ball hits yeah. them just just right. I mean, it, it could knock her out the yeah. game for a little bit. They're sore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be sore. Uh, I, I also am not too terribly worried about Kiana Smith since, we you know, we got like 87 cards that are all really good. But, you know, it's a loss to have Kiana Smith guard, gone if she doesn't play, but I don't think it's the end of the world for us. We we should beat Florida State. Now we have yeah. the depth and the way we run the ball. Just Florida State always has that game plan to just shut us down. They find a way to slow down the offense and and keep the games in like the 60s and 70s versus getting up in the 80s and 90s. And that's what's hurt us in the past. So we've just got to find a way to overcome that. We're we're a better team than Florida State. 
And I think if you look at them on TV and then you look at it on paper, we, we should win. And I don't know what it is. It's always about, oh, well, we, we get to play Florida State, and just everything goes out the window. And I don't know what it is. Uh, so, Case, I'm thinking one thing we don't want to do is foul Florida State. In their last outing against Virginia Tech, they went 21 for 22 from the free throw line. And uh, as they like to say, that ain't too bad. That's 95.5%. So uh, that's a key to me. How about you? Well, definitely. I think Louisville has a very strong defense. They've shown um, that they can prevent teams from shooting well from the floor. And teams often do a lot of damage at the free throw line. Um, Trying to recall exactly which team it was that we saw. Um, Louisville really didn't allow them to get to the free throw line. It was kind of the only chance that team had to keep it close, uh, and it didn't happen. So if Louisville can keep Florida State off the free throw line, that would be ideal. What concerns me about this game, and we know that their coach is not available, which probably has something to do with the bugaboo that Florida State has been to Louisville. Since Louisville joined the ACC, they've beaten Florida State twice out of seven tries. Um, It's concerning um the most that Louisville has scored against Florida State in that time is 79 points that's it 79 and the most outside of that win a 79 to 69 win in uh 2015 I believe it was yeah in 2015-16 season the most outside of that that they've scored was 68 so Louisville's gonna have to come out all of these games are knockdown drag out games the the 68 point uh, effort was a big win, 68-49, to 49, I believe. That was when Louisville was on a, a big stretch in that 2017-18 season. Nope, not that one. 2018-19 season when they were just beating teams by like 25 points every game because the defense just wouldn't allow any teams to score, um, including uh, later that – or the next week they beat Connecticut 78-69. to 69. So that was kind of an outlier game. Uh, all these games are knockdown, dragout games. Louisville's really going to have to come out and assert themselves offensively because if they don't, Florida State's going to hang around because that's just what they do. Um, and we've seen when, when Florida State hangs around, something happens in the psyche of Louisville's players and the ends of those games just get really dicey. So if they don't score 90, which Daryl thinks they might, if they don't score 90, things could get interesting. Going to lead to some very interesting game score predictions here. Uh, since I won the game, point differential against Clemson, I'll go first. I'm going to give you a 77 to 71 Louisville win. Ooh. That's 77, rough. 77 71 Cardinal win. For some of the reasons Case mentioned, also the fact that I think that no matter what we do, we're still going to be fouling the Seminoles a lot. They're going to keep it close at the free throw line. Jeff, let's go to you next. Give me a score. Yeah, so, I mean, I do want to say that I, I contradicted Jared on a couple of things there. But overall, I agree with him. I think the analysis is really good. Um, Florida State has all the question marks right now, right? Coming off a two-and-a-half-week break, you've got interim head coach right now. You've got um, just not many games played in the season so far. You don't have a lot of scouting. You don't have a lot of uh, visibility in, into what they're going to do and how they're going to play. I'll give a prediction. Your thought, Paul's, was bad. I'm going to say 74, or excuse me, 73-64 for the Cards. Um, I, yes, U of L should win this. I think we're the better team overall. Man, I'm nervous about it. 
Jared Jeff's nervous. He's also contradicting everything you and I say. Well, that, that's not out of you know, under, under for Jeff. He does that every it's, week. It's on brand for me. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's par for the course, right? But, uh, so he's going kind of even lower score than I'm going here. Jared, how do you see in it? I'm going even lower because I just <laughs> – I mean, Case broke it down even more than I did, and he brought in some of the stats. And when we play Florida State, it's a not a high-scoring game. We just don't see that between Louisville and Florida State. Uh, but I definitely agree that it's going to be close, and there's plenty of reason to be nervous. I'm going to put the cards at, uh, at uh, just barely winning, 65-61. to 65-61 out of Jared. Shades of the ACC quarterfinal or semifinal tournament from last year, except Louisville on top on that one. All right, in case you've had a chance to kind of reflect on all this a little bit, I'm saving Daryl for last year for good reason. But because uh, <laughs> I know Daryl's going to come in strong on this one. But uh, Case, what do you got here? What, what's your score? Yeah, it's tough. I've been trying to look at you know Louisville's offensive performances. They've been really mercurial this season. Um, you like know, it. they've got the really big scores, the 101 against DKU, 116 against DePaul, whichever thing stands out, you know, 97 against Bellarmine, 96 against UT Martin. But outside of that, they've had two games that they scored more than 75 points, um, more than 74, actually. Uh, that was the first game against UT Martin, and then obviously the last game against Boston College. So a lot of times, Louisville's scoring average this season is really high, but it's because of those outlier games. And so the offense hasn't been as, you know, light up the scoreboard as as it seems that they have when you just look at the stats. And given the history against Florida State, I think that Louisville is able to kind of break this game open a little bit. Um, but I, I just think that that's because of the reasons we talked about. Florida State is coming off of a decently long layoff, uh, almost three weeks, and they haven't been, you know, world beaters on offense this year. The most they've scored is 81. Um in their season opener against Florida. That's a rivalry game, so you can pretty much toss that out the window. And then the most they've scored since um, starting conference play is 73 against Virginia Tech in that last game. So I don't I don't think that they can really hold up against Louisville's defense, uh, especially if Louisville can get out to a hot start and maintain that through you know the first 15 minutes of the game. I think Louisville will be able to score about on their uh, like secondary average, not really their their true average number of points, but somewhere on their secondary average. So I'm going to say Louisville wins this game 75 to 63. I think it's a decent a decent win. Uh, it's maybe gets nervy at times, but I think that that's about where we land. Another low score in the books here. Case is 75 63. Last but not least, we come to Daryl, which I'm sure will have a great take on this one and a score. Well, so I'm going to stick with my gun and say that Florida State's coming off their break. They're going to be winded in the early third quarter. Um, are you ready for my final? Bring it. I, I say it's it's the Cards' seventh game in 17 days into the new year, and I think they're just going to be hitting it. I think it'll be 91-66. Ooh. Ooh, wow. I can't get the other way. <laughs> Daryl gives us the highest out of the five predictions for Cardinal points. And it actually falls in line kind of with the rest of us. And everybody's thinking FSU is going to struggle to get out of the 60s, except for me. I think they get 71. 
and they uh so there it is we'll find out on this and we've certainly got some room for differentials on this contest for sure but you know, we spent so much time on basketball and, and we didn't hardly get to anything else really that, that happened this week but we'll just kind of go through them kind of rapid fire here before we get to final thoughts uh, first of all racing louisville fc amina ekic fifth pick case go yeah um great to see them make the right choice and keep her in louisville uh, i thought that going into wednesday i thought she'd definitely be available at that 11th pick i thought they'd um go elsewhere for their second pick in the fifth or in the first round with number five but then once the draft started you know one of the talking heads listed amina Akic as as one of their underrated players uh, coming into the draft it seemed like offense was kind of at a premium after louisville took emily fox um with their first pick uh, a defender and then it was kind of rapid fire offensive players it looked like amina Akic was definitely going to be on people's lists it was really concerning when Racing Louisville was on the clock with that fifth pick. They uh, called timeout, picked up the phone. It seemed like they might be trying to trade out. I was like, please do not do this. <laughs> please, please don't <laughs> trade out and then somebody else take Amina Akic. Um, but then they, they took her. Um, it's great. She's thrilled. You know, I'm thrilled to, to be able to continue watching her. I've really enjoyed it while she's been at, at Louisville. Um, she's excited, obviously, to be able to pursue you know, the highest stage of her craft uh, in her hometown and play in front of all of her friends and family. I think that's awesome whenever any player uh, in any sport gets that opportunity. Uh, so congratulations to her. And uh, those were really cool pictures that came out uh, on her first day with the team, uh, with her down at the down at the stadium in Minas City. And it's going to be really fun. I think Raising Louisville is going to be a really fun team to watch. And obviously taking a hometown hero is, is definitely a great way to garner more support in the area. Gotta agree with you 100% on those, buddy. Jeff, we got volleyball news. Not a coach, but a very, very nice addition to the team, sir. Oh, yeah, I mean, kind of a coach. Uh, we, we, uh, um, I was actually going to make this my final thoughts. You're kind of jump, jumping ahead of me here. Oh, uh, Ju- uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Jewel Meredith uh, was graduate assistant for the past couple of years for the team. Uh, she has moved into the volunteer assistant role, uh, which is sort of promotion she may actually get paid less out of it but uh uh interesting situation there but uh it is a a a position of more prestige more um more advanced on the career track of being a volleyball coach she does a very fine job she's been a great addition to cardinal sidelines over the the past couple years and uh, has been doing a lot of the video uh coordination interview and kind of the, the, the graduate assistant is frequently kind of the techie of the coaching staff and she has fulfilled that role that very well moving up into a volunteer assistant role getting a little more hands-on with actually uh coaching and guiding the team on that so good good addition good move um it's great to see always great to see promotions in house like that you gotta love them and daryl we got a softball schedule out now how about that is the cards will start action on february 13th and guess where they're going to be the entire month of march at an Olmer stadium by golly exciting news about softball right yes it is but we saw uh Kay share some news about teams or pl- specific players opting out i'm sure in the next couple months we're going to see a few more of those uh which you know you don't blame them, but um, I'm excited to see uh, 
this team, uh, who who was coming back this year? I'm trying to find, bring it up real quick. Um, was it funky to start with? Yes, mm-hmm. Selene. That's exactly who I thought it was. So Selene's coming back for what? What do they call it now? <laughs> just, I don't know. Year 15, it feels like. You call that a super senior. Yeah. Super senior. I like that. Super senior season for Celine. I'm very excited for that. But, you know, so many things can change from now and then. I'm trying not to, you know, circle any games in particular before we get there. But I'm sure the team's excited. You know, just having something to look forward to will make their training, I'm sure, a lot more productive. So as long as we get some games in the – in the next couple of months, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, she is listed as a graduate student at this point. So, graduate, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> you which is not surprising because she's I also like super a student. senior better. We should probably put yeah, that super in the senior suggestion box. Can I supersize that senior? I like <laughs> it. And I hope she has a supersize season. As uh, May 12th, ACC Tony will be here in Louisville. Jared, do you think we'll get that far? Ooh. I hope that's a long ways away. I mean, you're looking at after Derby at this point, middle of May. So I mean, there's a lot of that can happen between now and then. I mean, we don't even know if Derby will be then, Jerry. Right, it could I mean, be in September yeah. again. Right. God, God forbid something happened where we just don't even see a season at all. At least when you look at sports like softball and baseball, you, one, you're outside. Uh, two, there's minimal contact with people, especially the opposing teams. So you've got sure. a few factors playing in your favor at this point. You're not, it's not like basketball where you're stuck indoors where the air may not flow as well, and then you're constantly all up against each other uh, when you're competing down low for rebounds and and the close shots there. I mean, the most you're right. going to see here is batter catcher interaction or a, a play at first or uh, just to play at any of the base bases. So that really works out well, and I think it's going to be able to – pinpoint if there's are any positive cases and quickly get them out in a way but i'm, I'm liking this uh setup by the acc where you've got uh basically it's a four game series and then you hope that if something happens with the a positive case and you can just be like all right well let's get everybody tested and see if we're good to go for tomorrow and maybe still fit in three possibly even four games so it'll, yeah. it'll be nice I'm, I'm excited and hopefully we do get to the acc tournament here in Louisville. I just was questioning the other night when I was looking at this. How are you going to six foot space softball players in the dugout? You don't. Yeah, I can't see it unless they're you know up in the stands or whatever. So it should be interesting. But uh, so we other things that happened this week, which we didn't quite get to everything that went down, but certainly we can all look forward to another exciting week ahead coming up for ULL athletics. Beginning tomorrow with the hard hoops against FSU. Let's get the final thoughts. Well, let's go ahead and start with Jared this week. Final thoughts out of you, sir. Uh, no, just trying to keep up with the constant schedule changes and, and figure out who's playing who, when, and making sure I've got erasers attached to all my pencils right now because things are constantly changing. Uh, I don't think I've ever recall a, a 9 p.m. So I'm kind of excited to see how next Thursday goes, but also making sure I can find a way to get a, a nap in before the game, too. Right. Yeah, very important indeed, sir. Case, final thoughts? Yeah, congratulations to um, two of the teams that are competing right now, uh, which are swimming and, and track and field. 
uh, swimming in their non-scoring meet against Missouri yesterday had uh, a relay win and then six individual wins and then track and field with three individual wins yesterday on day one. So congratulations to them as, as they get their spring seasons underway. Absolutely. And let's hope they're successful ones. Daryl, share some final thoughts with us. Um, it's like everybody else, you know, the schedule changing is, you know, frustrating, but imagine actually having to play it and not just, you know, watch it. So um, I'm, I'm proud of the way that the program has handled it. I'm glad we were able to get some games in. Coach Walls is very, is a hardworking man. He, he wants to play the games and, and showcase this very talented team. And like Jared said, a, a 9 p.m. tip off uh, on Thursday, hopefully, you know, um, <laughs> at least we get a game, but that'll be a, a late one and I'll have the write up after that. And I also want to give a shout out to Lamar Jackson playing tonight. Ravens yes. got to get the win. It'll be cold in Buffalo and snow, and Lamar's never played on a snowy field in the NFL, so could be an interesting sideline there. I hope the snow holds off. Let's hope so, but it's Buffalo. Uh, what's the chances of that, right? <laughs> Final thoughts, enemy. I just want to send a, a little shout-out, and uh, we're thinking of you. We're in your corner, to one of our regular readers and commenters <laughs> over at Cardinal Couple, the illustrious Absolutely. Curtis Franklin, unfortunately, has become a victim not a victim but a, a positive test on the COVID. he's into quarantine procedures now he seems to think he's asymptomatic he's not really suffering from everything was it a missed test he even has that kind of questioning doubt but nevertheless uh, fortunately he's got a very good family structure that's kind of making sure that Food gets dropped off at his apartment and also the co-workers where he works at as well. But Curtis, hang in there. We're with you, buddy. Yep. And uh, you pull through this thing big time, okay? Yeah. All right, Jeff. Uh, I, I left you last because I stole your final thought. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I, it's similar theme. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, volleyball schedules starting to show up. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit of that, uh, which is just kind of weird to think about to be talking about in January, hearing uh, hearing about real volleyball schedules. But, you know, that's what we're uh, dealing with with this, uh, with this season. And uh, so I'm I'm hoping to look to, to see some and see what schedules are going to look like. Um, with a partial season in the fall, it's going to be a little bit weird. Yes, it is, sir. It's going to be madcap. But that'll do it for another edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can catch this uh, on replay by clicking on the website by following us on the Cardinal Couple YouTube channel. So a lot of different ways to hear this thing if you didn't catch all. But but uh, we'll see you next week, Saturday, 11 o'clock. Unless you know something we don't, sign it out here. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Mm-hmm.